Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hour number two of the get right with Reggie KG on 105 through the fan. Kevin Gray, Reggie Latitula. Did he say shy slammer <laughs> I think that's what he said. I don't like that. Uh, Regal Mendoza holding it down for you here on your turn it on, leave it on station. Appreciate you joining us on Odyssey and the Odyssey app. The text line. 87781. Oh, that's right. 8- oh. <laughs> 8- 8- 8- 8- 8- 8- 8- 8- 8- 8- 8- 8- 8- 8- 8- 8- 8- 8- 8- 8- 8- 8- 8- 8- 8- 8-
Cause the I, the, the Zoa energy drink that I oh, drank a little bit earlier. Look, I didn't hear what you said, and all I heard was kicking in, and I was like, hey, dog, I don't think you should admit that on air. <laughs> you really don't listen to me, do you? I mean, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes it's select. Also, yeah. if you look at me right now, one oh, yeah, you only one got one earpiece ear in, yeah. so you know, uh-huh. I kind of kind of hurt it. You kind of kind of hurt it a little bit. My bad. Uh, at Kevin Gray Sports, at Reg Attitude, if you want to get at us on Twitter, coming up in 17 minutes. All right, Temkin of Sirius XM College Sports going to be joining us here on the Get Right. Hard to believe, just a few short weeks away from the start of the 2023 college football season. Sicko season, baby. Oh, boy. Yeah, if you are ready for some college football, and apparently, you know. Maybe the maybe the last one that looks any kind of normal. Exactly. Yeah. Because this is the final year of Oklahoma and Texas in the Big 12. The Pac-12 has disintegrated in before our eyes. Uh, a lot going on in the world of college football. We'll talk with Ari Temkin coming up here in 16 minutes. And I feel like we should make it known that something in sports, in the world of sports, has happened that oh. is, you know, maybe not all too common. Uh, Michael Michael Lorenzen of the Philadelphia Phillies has thrown the 14th no-hitter in Philadelphia Phillies history. Well, congratulations to Michael Lorenzen as the Philadelphia Phillies win 7-0 over the Washington Nationals. Uh, to move to 63 and 52 on the season. Of course, a trade trade deadline acquisition by the Phillies throws MLB's fourth no hitter of the season. Uh, so, congratulations to Michael Lorenz on making history for the Philadelphia Phillies. He throws a no no against the Washington Nationals. Uh, let's talk a little NBA though, right here on the Get Right. It's Rare when we get a chance to talk a little bit NBA around this portion mm-hmm. of the sports calendar because usually there's not a lot happening uh, in and around the association. But Nico said, take this. Yeah, he's got a little bit of Mavericks news here to get to as the Mavericks have signed a one-year deal uh, with forward slash center Derek Jones Jr. So Derek Jones becoming the newest member of the Dallas Mavericks. Of course, you got a little bit of uh, basketball coming this weekend as you got the FIBA World Cup preparations uh, underway. Team USA going to be taking on Luka Doncic in Slovenia uh, this weekend. So we'll get that on Fox Sports. You'll actually be able to see that. Uh, you will be able to see that. With whatever cable or streaming package you happen to have. Uh, and NBA.com actually announcing today as well that they're going to carry the entire FIBA World Cup huh. as well. So, so I don't so. have to download that app you sent me? Yeah, that courtside 1891. Uh, you don't have to necessarily download them. I'm sorry, you just said it and I already forgot what you said. But exactly, okay. exactly. Very good. How most people felt about that particular app. Um, so you'll be able to see Luka Dodgers take on Team USA later on this weekend, which should be a lot of fun. By the way, real quick tangent on that. We are at a point where Jalen Brunson is out here being team captain for Team USA. He's. I mean, look, that's one of the things that people have talked about with him is that he has kind of leader guy type characteristics, not specifically said in those words, but if we're going to sum it all up, it's always kind of that he has leader guy type of characteristics, and this is kind of how this comes together. Um, but back to Derrick Jones Jr., mm-hmm. um, and this is fair, right, uh, from the 214. He is not a center from the 817. Center is the only position we're still lacking. This is the thing. He came into the league, and he absolutely was not a center. He he is listed at 6'5 or 6'6, six, 6'6 six. Six, six on NBA official um, you know documentation places. But he has played as a power forward slash center, especially when he was in Chicago. And it was it's a weird thing, and also in Miami. And it's a weird thing because he is skinny as a stick, right? He looks like <laughs> he looks like uh, you know how was it Fantasia where the mops start walking and everything? 
He looked like that out there. I know that that was a data reference, and I'm not even sure if I got it right. I apologize if I didn't. <laughs> um, but no, he's he's very skinny. But this is the thing: seven foot wingspan, and he seems to play into that place where you know, almost like a relatively small ball center of sorts. Mm-hmm. He plays it decently enough, and um, so like he can, in a way, play as a center. I, I understand he is not what you would think of when you look at a center, but he kind of plays that way. Welcome to positionless basketball. Right. And <laughs> I think this is a really interesting move for the Mavericks. It does not necessarily address particularly that center position square up. Correct. Because I think when we talk about center, the real issue you were looking for is starting center. You have a lot of guys who can kind of be a backup center. You feel comfortable with Dwight Powell as a backup center. You feel really comfortable with someone like Rashawn Holmes as a backup center. Derek Lively, the second, getting backup center minutes, right? All You have a lot of guys who can kind of be a backup. You don't really have a starting center. And I don't think Derrick Jones Jr. profiles as that. But where he does answer is a question that me and you have been talking about, which is that wing defense situation where you didn't really address a ton of it, right? You got Grant Williams in, but in order to get him, you also sent out um, Reggie Bullock, who was one of your perimeter defenders. And now you got a younger, better, more consistent perimeter defender and a guy that can maybe play in some small ball center. But you you didn't really fill that out. You added uh, Omax Prosper, who is a rookie and who's going to factor into your rotation, but I don't think you should ask him to do too much. And then Josh Green is your only other real wing defender that I could see. This adds to that. He is capable of doing that. And in the instance that you need another small ball center or somebody to play the four alongside Grant Williams as he's playing small ball center. I think that you have you added to that room of guys that can kind of play three, four, five and give you some more robust situation, a more robust roster and more options to choose from that can reasonably make a rotation. Because I think if there is a if there's a roster spot being given up, it's probably by Theo Pinson, who doesn't fit that profile of a guy who can regularly be in a rotation compared to Derrick Jones Jr., who I absolutely believe can. Yeah, this is a move to continue the trend of what has been in addition of athleticism to this roster throughout the course of this offseason, getting younger, getting more athletic, and the ability to defend on the perimeter and to do it with a lot more versatility as well. So how much Derrick Jones Jr. actually plays, we'll come to find out as this season goes on. But more importantly, this should give you a window into the philosophy of how this roster has been turned over quite a bit and what still could be done for this team given the fact that I do not believe that JaVale McGee will be on this roster by the time we get to the beginning of this regular season. Could they still make a move to go get Clint Capella from Atlanta? We've heard reports that Atlanta and Toronto could be engaging in a potential deal with Pascal Siakam. Do the Mavericks find themselves getting involved in that trade as a third team to get Clint Capella? Because as you mentioned, don't have necessarily a good option at starting center right now because I've been of the opinion, as of right now, if you look at it, Dwight Powell is going to be your starting center on opening night just because of the familiarity that he has with defensive rotations, the connection that he has with Luka Doncic from the lob game, all that. Has you been well. started with defensive rotations with Dwight Powell? Well, look. You, that was the first thing you mentioned? That's one of the, okay. the main things. Like, I understand. Not that I just, he's necessarily good okay. at it. All right. Uh, but I he, just wanted to point that out. I, I, point well taken. Thank you. Um, but at the same time, this is what it is based off their center rotation. Um, but, again, this is more so for me another tilt toward Younger, athletic guys that can defend, and more importantly, what that means for some of the defensive versatility that you want to see from this Mavericks team because of how poorly they have been defending on the perimeter. But they've got to still find an answer for an anchor in the middle and how that rotation begins to shape out based on what they have. We'll still, we're still finding out 
if they can make one more final move before the season starts. And this is the thing, because I, I, I said it pretty explicitly on, what was it, the Lowdown podcast, a friend of ours, mm-hmm. shout out to um, Drew Ivory mm-hmm. and BJ as well. Um, the idea that if they do not figure out what they're going to do at starting setter, I still don't think that they, I don't think that they're capable of competing on the highest level. With that being the case, with this move, what do you see as the general like um, real estate that the Mavs hold when we talk about the West? Because again, I'm I don't I don't. This is a team that with their talent, you should be able to say top four and playing, you know, for an idea of the possibility of playing in the the finals. However, I don't think that's where they are. Where do you exceed them existing? Uh, I. Well, that's a tough question because you always have to think about a team or two that will regress out of that, mm-hmm. you know, top six that made the playoffs because the goal here is to be a top six team, obviously, in the West. I think they are a top eight team, um, but that also means you may be in a play-in spot as well as a seven or eight seed. Uh, but I do, they, I do think they weren't are one of the eight best teams in the West right now. That ceiling could be raised still by acquiring a center of Clint Capella standard to be able to provide you some defense and obviously a lob threat there. But right now, okay, let's look at it from last year, right? You look at the standings from the Western Conference and how things wind up shaking out. Your top six teams were Denver, Memphis, Sacramento, Phoenix, the Clippers, and the Golden State Warriors, followed by the Lakers and the Timberwolves at seven and eight. Do you feel like the Mavericks are, are they better than the Nuggets? No. Are they better than the Memphis Grizzlies? I do don't believe so, but there's there's some questions to be had there. And of course, John Morant suspended for the first twenty five games. Twenty five games. They, of the they made some additions like Marcus Smart and then Derek uh, Derek Rose to also help mm-hmm. you know massage that. Do you believe they're better than the Sacramento Kings? <sighs> I think that they could be in a similar space, but the Sacramento Kings have a lot of consistency. Are they better than the Phoenix Suns? No. Are they better than the Los Angeles Clippers? Which Los Angeles Clippers? That's the problem. But if fully constituted, healthy. Fully healthy and constituted, yes. No. They are not. Are they better than the Golden State Warriors at this point? I don't believe so, but. I don't, like, this is the problem is that every time I want to say flat out no, I remember that you have Luka Doncic on your team. And that Correct. is the ultimate, you know, in most of these, if you were ending up in a series, so to say, you'd have the best player in the series. And then Kyrie Irving is a incredible high 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 uh, upside wild card type player. And of course they'll get a full training camp together to be able to work the things out offensively. But no, to. to answer your question, no. Are they better than the Los Angeles Lakers right now? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Minnesota Timberwolves. I think they're better than Minnesota. Probably. Um now the wild cards that we're looking at here, the Oklahoma City Thunder, who I think is going to be a much better team this year. Obviously with a first team all NBA player in Shea Gilgis Alexander, the Pelicans, and then a team that I'm excited to see the Utah Jazz are going to be a fun team to watch this year. Um, obviously, with Walker, I think, I think Utah will still be in that place down. I think they're still growing, but they'll be, I think they'll be fun to watch. Yeah. this upcoming season. Right but again, the the ultimate point is this is a team that you could look at realistically between six and eight right now in the West, based off of how these teams are right now in the Western Conference, which I think is good if you can get Clay Capella to the point of the 817, you can be solidly in the top six of the West if you acquire Clint Capella in my mind. That's a big if. And I, I guess even if you look at this from a perspective, if you add in another piece to either, you know, make make a, a trade more feasible, like quite literally in the, you know, finances, or even to be able to withstand the blow from having to give some pieces sure. in a trade. 
that's a possibility. But ultimately, I think that glaring hole of having a center that you feel really good about, at least right now, um, I think still is still tough to manage. But this this is a team that has a lot of possibility. Um, they're they're just going to be limited in their play style right now, as currently constituted. But this is, I think this is a really interesting ad. It's not it's not a top end of the rotation sure. ad. It's not something that drastically shifts. It's not going to move outlook. the needle in the way that you would want a move, especially. Again, there's not a lot left at this point. Right. Um, you're trying to find the best that's available to try and fit some needs, uh, and Derek Jones will be able to provide some of that this upcoming season. Someone did mention a point. I think this is an interesting one from the 817 on the text line, 877-881-1053, if you'd like to get involved. They said regardless of what the Jones Jr. deal is, they feel like the Mavs didn't value the available players for with the MLE and are holding it to maybe get a best player available in the buyout market. Now, I don't know if you can actually use the full taxpayer MLE in this in the season. However, um, I do think that that is worth considering is that the idea that all right, we don't really have an option that really fits exactly what we need. So let's get this thing that this player that we know is an interesting dude that can add and play on your team, whether you view him as a wing or center. But add to your team and then figure out as you're still trying to make moves, figure out the rest later, but add a valuable player to a rotation. And I hear you, 817, and the other 817 as well, talking about the Kings. First of all, the Kings are really good. If they play any measure of defense this upcoming season, they'll be a little bit better than what they were because they could score a ton. But also to the point of the 817 about the idea of not being better, of being better than the Lakers, the Clippers, the Timberwolves, you know, and the Golden State Warriors. Lakers, what do they do well? They defend, and they've got two guys in LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis proving, for the most part, to be healthy last year as well. The Clippers, you mentioned the point when Kawhi Leonard and Paul George when they're healthy. You've got two two-way guys that are still really good in this league. And the Timberwolves, I think the Mavericks will be better than the Timberwolves. I know they got Anthony Edwards there. Um, obviously, with Carl that's, Anthony That's Towns. just a confused team. They're a confusing team. And I think that's some of the things with the Mavericks here is like there's still some confusion on how you actually play basketball with this current roster. Yes. Not saying that you can't be good, but we're talking about can you be great. And this is a West that's really difficult because there's a lot of really good basketball teams. I think that's the thing that we're ultimately trying to get across. Yeah. It's not the easiest West to tra- tra- traverse, and you need to put your best foot forward. And right now, without a starting center, your best foot isn't forward yet. It's the Get Right with Reggie KG right here on 105.3 The Fan. Coming up next, we talk a little college football with Ari Temkin of Sirius XM Sports. He joins us next on 105.3 The Fan. To get right, we're Reggie KG right here on 105.3 The Fan. Kevin Gray, Reginald Atatula, Regal Mendoza holding it down for here. Really appreciate you joining us on Odyssey and the Odyssey app. The text line, 877-881-1053, 877-881-1053. If you want to get in on the conversation coming up here in just a moment, we'll be joined by Ari Temkin of SiriusXM College Sports. going to be joining us talking a little college football in the wake of the drastic realignment that continues to shape uh, this new world order, if you will, of college football. Can can we have a little pre-show uh, meeting right now while we're waiting to get Ari on the line? Oh, okay. Um, nobody else listening. We just it's just me and KG talking. It's just right me quick. and you right now. All right. Uh, obviously, Ari, 
you know, talk sports. He's talked a lot about Big 12. Do we want to take this interview from a perspective of, you know, just kind of talking about the changing landscape of college football? Or do we want to talk about kind of like a Big 12 preview, kind of narrow it down and just see what's coming up on the season? All right. All right. What do you think? Oh, was was this for everybody? Yeah, yeah, is yeah. He not, is he? Yeah, he, he right he there. Oh, I mean, we uh, yeah, we yeah, we. I mean, we got Ari now. Yeah, All right, what's happening, my yeah, man? Bring him on in here. <laughs> bring him on in here. Hello, hello. Hey, what's up, Ari? Ari? What's up, guys? Not much. It's, <laughs> Ari, it's Ari Temkin, Sirius XM College He's in the Sports. Yes, yes, he is. Uh huh. Um. I don't even know where to start because I was legitimately asking the question if we wanted to kind of talk about like the realignment or the Big 12, you know, just kind of previewing the Big 12. What's kind of caught your attention when it comes to college sports um, news? Like what's been the thing that has been most interesting to you? Other than the fact that the Pac-12 is cooked. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. um, I mean, you know, it's the thing I've been saying about the Pac-12 guys is that they're basically uh, the Atlanta Falcons blowing a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl because, I mean, look, they 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 had every resource, every piece available for them to win against the Big Twelve, so to speak, and uh, and they end up losing. And look, that's what this is. This really is a Game of Thrones. Um, it is a zero sum game. We hear a lot of words like merging. Merging isn't exactly possible when you need a central, centrally located office, right? So one somebody has to win here. The Big Twelve and the Pac Twelve couldn't have merged. One of them had to win, and that's. You know, Mountain West and Pac-12 can't merge. One has to win. There has to be a central office and, and everything else. So um, it's a zero-sum game. And, you know, I think the ACC and the Big 12, it's sort of like uh, Game of Thrones where there's going to be the two power conferences. There is the two power conferences and, and eventually probably a third. Um, and we'll see, again, what ends up happening. But right now you've got the two power conferences and these two mid-conferences with the Big 12 and the ACC in terms of what they're – what those conferences are taking in on an annual basis in terms of their television revenue. Ari, I'm glad you brought up television revenue because that was the next point I wanted to talk about because, you know, you're talking about kind of winning and losing, and I know a lot of people get focused in on that, especially folks that aren't sickos and tied into college football and college sports in general. But can you lay out for, I guess, the layman how the TV contracts play into this? Because I was reading earlier that the Big Ten – um, would not have accepted Oregon and Washington if it wasn't for Fox paying out some more money for their television rights. Right. I mean, the, the television revenue is driving this entire situation here. And, you know, the, there are people that are complaining about the the landscape of college athletics right now and how it's been taken over by television networks. And, you know, and do they have the best interests of the sport in mind? Now, I'd I'd argue that they do just based on the fact that you know, they're driven by profits, and, and they understand from a profitability standpoint what's going to make the money based on how many consumers are going to tune in. And so part of the power conference, super power conference deals we're having here now has to do with fan behavior and consumption and wanting to see better matchups. And that's what the that's what essentially our overlords of these uh, ESPN and Fox ha- have, have dictated and decided. So when you look at the actual math, guys, when, the, when Texas and OU left – um, you know, the SEC was in line to get a deal with ESPN that, uh, you know, beyond what they already signed, but adding Texas and OU, you're looking at somewhere between 70 and 100 million per year in terms of television revenue. Now, there are other factors that go into the total take in terms of, you know, payouts from the college football playoff, payouts from payouts from the the NCAA tournament, which are all obviously to be determined. Um, but but that's the gist of it. Between 70 and 100 million is where it's going to go to. 
Uh, that's per school. Uh, the Big Ten, after adding UCLA and USC, has the exact same situation. They're going to make anywhere between 70 and 100. depends on who you've read and what they, information they have, and who knows. At the end of the day, you'll get to pay out every year, and we find out exactly how much is made. But anywhere between 70 and 100, okay? So the Big 12 and the ACC are pretty close at – Big 12 is going to be between 30 and 35 million, and the ACC will be between, let's say, 32 and 37 million. Again, there, there's factors in play. So clearly, a lot less than the SEC and the Big 10. That is, that was always going to be the case because the ACC was locked into this deal through 2036. The Big 12 gets the cash again in 2031. So, I mean, 2036 is still 13 years away. And like, Kevin, like, you and I, our kids will be graduated high school by the time that ACC deal is up. Just to give, you know, just to give context there, right? Like that, that's a long time. So that's why Florida State is so upset. Um, you know, and, and then when you want to go even further, guys. So like, let's just say where the Big Twelve and the ACC are. That's kind of been where most programs have been. Um, you know, the, the Big Ten topping out closer to forty, you know, forty to fifty. And again, they had so so like thirty. To, let's say thirty to fifty has been the range within the Power Five, and when you look at the Mountain West or the American Athletic Conference or Conference USA or any of these other what formerly group of five conferences, they're, they're like at about $5 million a year. So we see why SMU obviously wants to get out. Now, look, they're going to take less of a pay to get into a bigger co- conference because they want to be contenders and want to be playing with these, these conferences, but also because of the you know end goal of eventually getting full payouts. But that's why when you look at like say BYU and UCF and Cincinnati and Houston that aren't going to be full members over the next couple of years, of the big 12. I mean, guys, we're talking about a substantial increase in television revenue, you know? So the landscape is bad, obviously for the big 12 and the ACC moving forward, but it's a lot worse for everybody else. And that's where we talk about the gap between the haves and the have nots. And certainly that's the case for the big 10 and the SEC. Uh, but even more so again, when you factor in the drop off between those four programs or, f- or four conferences that are making, let's say, 30-plus million a year, whereas everybody else is around the five-plus million dollars a year range. All right, Tim Kinnow, Sirius XM Sports, joining us here on the Get Right. You can find him on Twitter, at Ari Sports. Uh, real quick, before we kind of get into a, you know, a couple of things as we get closer to the you know, start of the college football year, for you, where does this ha- having all begun from? Obviously, the acceleration – of all of this over the last several years in terms of realignment. But for you, what was the inflection point of where things started to turn for you when it comes to the big business of college football, specifically when it comes to realignment as you start to kind of look back on it now? You know, Kevin, it's a great question. You know, I, I was in Austin in, in, working for 104 on the horn and covering the Longhorns when this was all going down. And I was listening to you. And, and, and I remember it. And it was, I mean, it was essentially third tier rights. So the big 12 was the only conference in the power five that was allowing its member institutions to retain their, their tier three rights. Okay. And that, that essentially is what kept Texas and OU at that time in the conference. Um, you know, and, and everybody, you know, Longhorn fans now will say like, Oh, you're blaming us. No, no, no. It's it, all the big 12 teams got third three, their, their, their tier three rights. Now, Texas famously went to Texas A&M and said, Hey, we got this opportunity to launch a Longhorn Network. What if we go in this together? Texas A&M famously turned it down. Probably more nuanced the story, but for the sake of timing, that's what happened. And so when ESPN then comes to Texas and says, here, have $500 million, and we're going to take your tier three rights, what are they supposed to do? Say, no, thanks. <laughs> we're all set. <laughs> so, I mean, that, you know, 
no bl- like there's blame on Texas, but also not in a way that's like full, you know, like fully like what were they supposed to do? Not take the money, and like that was a bad deal for ESPN. But my God, was that still a good deal for for Texas? But ultimately, I mean, that's Larry Scott wanted the Pac-12 to to add Oklahoma and, and add Texas, and maybe even more, but they didn't because of the tier three rights, and because that contract had been signed, Texas is not giving that money back, so they they were going to be able to land back with the Big 12. Um, with you know, with the tier three rights and that contract at hand is to launch Longhorn Networks. Longhorn Network is what started this whole thing. Again, not like, not like a vitriolic blame on Texas. It just is what it is. They wanted to partner with A and M, but A and M didn't. ESPN handed them a big check, and and you know, and, and that rightfully so gave them the opportunity eventually, um, when that money dries up, which obviously that's happening. You know, now you get to a situation where you want to, you know, continue to. Uh, play at the highest level of college football and earn the, mo- the most money you can possibly make. So that's what led them to the SEC. So that this this thing all started back when Larry Scott wanted to add Texas and Oklahoma, and Texas and Oklahoma didn't go because they're tier three rights. All right, I thought you were going to be a smart a like me and say all the way back in the eighties when the when the colleges started getting you know TV money to broadcast games. Well, yeah, I mean you're <laughs> you're not wrong, Reg. You're not wrong at all. I mean that was OU and what Florida State that that sued the NCAA. And, and, yeah, you're 100% correct. I mean, ultimately, you know, when schools could retain their own rights to sell their, tele- their television rights, which obviously makes total sense, you know, ultimately this is what it was going to happen. This was gonna, you, you can go back now and look. It's like, this was going to happen. You're going to have a consolidation of power. You're going to have programs that didn't want, you know, Iowa State to be lumping into the success of a brand like of what Texas brings to the table, and that, that's, that's what you have. But, like, I also think, guys, you know, like the Lakers and the Cowboys can't just play themselves every week, right? Like those are the two biggest brands in their respective sports. But like you need, you need the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, you, you, you know, you need the smaller markets. You need, you need the entire country to be engaged. And I think that's the worry with what's happening here is you just can't. The Cowboys just can't play themselves every week. We know they're a huge draw, and they're, they're, they're the Cowboys. But you don't, but you, you, the Lakers need the Utah Jazz. The Cowboys need the Jaguars, right? Like they need the entire country fans to be engaged, and that's the concern here of like you just consolidate power and you're constantly consolidating power. And it's like, oh, okay, Ohio State and Texas are playing every week and Alabama's playing Georgia every week. And like those are great games and great matchups, don't get me wrong, but ultimately you do need them to play other teams and have interest from those fans in those other teams. Yeah, Ari, that was that was going to be my question. Like, how far can this go? Because it feels like college football has added another existential crisis on the horizon outside of the one that we seem to be forgetting, which is the fact that they're not paying their labor at all. But um, outside of that, like, how far can this go? Because I think there's a lot of folks that look up and go, we might end up with NFL light. Yeah, and, and by the way, for the people that are like, they are paying their labor now. No, no, they're still not. The colleges aren't. It's the businesses around those colleges that are. And by the way, the way that the – administrators are taking it to Washington right now, they're going to end up re- really regretting going to Washington with this because ultimately it's going to end up with uh, college athletes being deemed as employees, and now we're opening up a whole new can of worms with that. So good job by the NCAA and its member institutions to go to Washington and try to get some legislation passed, which will eventually happen in the next few years. And when that happens, athletes will be deemed employees, and then, yeah, all best. And then you need more TV money to, make, uh, to justify this, right? And then you're going to actually have to pay them aside from the money they're going to be getting from NIL. So, yeah. Um, but I digress. Um, your question was, I'm sorry, you got me on that tangent. Yeah, no, like, how, how, no but, I, yeah. And you know what? I'm glad that we went there. Um, no, just like how far can this possibly go? Because, again, oh, yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. we're seeing power consolidated, and one of the things you're talking about is the market um, forces that create the, you know, the, the, the TV contracts are so lucrative that then, you know, there's consolidation. Like how far can this possibly go? 
Yeah, no, Raj. I mean, I, you know, I think if you're looking at this realistically, like obviously I'm a fan of the Big 12. I host a, a talk show on Big 12 radio, and I went to Kansas, and so you went to K-State, right? Like we all have the, our allegiances to different universities across. Uh, we don't have to mention where Kevin went. Um, Relax, all right. Nah, you can spell it if you want, KJ. You, you were doing a lot. You were doing very well until you decided to take it there now. Let's let's relax. Let's relax. <laughs> M-I-S-E-R-Y. Is that how you spell it? Uh, no, that would be M-I-Z-Z-O-U. <laughs> I'm not going to say no, but... anything else disparaging about your university. God forsake school. I appreciate school. you, buddy. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, like, again, inevitably, like, the Big 12 has an expiration date, too. And so, too, does the ACC, right? So it's just going to, like, you know, they talk about money being dried up, right? Like, the Pac-12's problem was that they won a TV deal and there just wasn't money from networks. And yet, like, right, ESPN lays up a bunch of people and then they pay Pat McAfee $4 million. Like, you pay for what you want. You know, like the Pac-12 made the excuse of, well, the money was dried up. That's why there was no market. Well, that's not – I mean, they're still going to pay for what they want. If the SEC deal was up, I, I, I could – ESP would have found a way to find the money to, to get to get the SEC done, SEC deal done. You know what I mean? So, like, there will continue to be this idea of, like, well, you know, the market's drying up for sports rights or so much. And yet, like, all it is is just a, a larger consolidation into these two conferences. And so, you know, we'll see. Now, look, the grant of rights that the ACC is locked into – um, is the same grant of rights, and Dennis Shad from CBS wrote about this, that the Big 12 design, the Bob Bowlesby design, which was like designed extremely well in order to knock it out of it. Texas, the University of Texas is one of the great law schools, has some of the best lawyers in the country, and they're paying $50 million to get out of their grant of rights one year earlier. $50 million. The University of Texas could not figure out a legal recourse to get out of their grant of rights. They also like wasting money, though. (laughs) (laughs) OU has to pay that same 50, right? So that's one year. They're each paying paying 100 million total, 50 million each. One year. Guys, there's 13 years left in the ACC deal. So Florida State seems very confident they can get out. I don't know how, but maybe they will. And, you know, ultimately, I think there's interest in North Carolina. Is it like the Big Ten? And I think you're going to have – you're going to basically have a war – between the top brands, quote unquote, within the ACC, Florida State, North Carolina, and, and, and Clemson, and maybe Miami. And, and I know people are saying, well, those teams don't win as much, and it doesn't matter, right? It's about how, what kind of an audience can you command? That's the br- idea of brand, how well are you recruiting? Those things matter. And, and so then you know, you're looking at a situation where you're, you know, you're going to have the, the clear, again, clear power, too, with those, those brands in it. And then you know, again, a, a Big 12 looks probably that will probably take on more ACC teams. That's just going to be extremely scattered and a clear second second tier. And this is, I mean, you could really start to extrapolate this out if you want and talk about a relegation system where you you know you're starting to now justify earning more money in television revenue because you're better at football and performing at a higher level. Where you're kind of going up and down the rungs with you know Conference USA and the five to ten million they'll earn over the next decade on a per year basis and then to 30 to 40 million for the big 12 level. And then up and up and up and up. I mean, you, you, you could certainly project that that's a situation that, that, that couldn't end up becoming college football, some sort of a, you know, European soccer relegation system. You can find him on Twitter at Ari sports, of course, on Sirius XM host of college sports radio, a wealth of information when it comes to this thing called college sports, specifically college football. He is Ari Temkin. Ari do it again next week. Yeah, yeah, guys, this is great, and I uh, I love listening to you guys. You guys are killing it. This is awesome. Appreciate Thanks, it. As long as we don't have to talk about Kansas, we're good here. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate the time, Ari. Right. Later, guys. Have-
There he goes. All right, Tempkin, good enough to join us here on the Get Right with Reggie KG here on 105 through the fan college football season right around the corner. Speaking of college football being right around the corner, uh, a lot of folks will be betting on college football, and ESPN has decided to go all in when it comes to their betting platform. What does it ultimately mean for your sports experience? Let's talk about it next on the Get Right. So get right, we're Reggie KG here on 105.3 The Fan. A little moving and grooving here on this Wednesday night. Hump night edition, RJ Choppy Stop here. It. Okay. Uh, that's, that's, there you go. There you go. Uh, appreciate you joining us on Odyssey. Don't encourage him. And the Odyssey app. Text line 877-881-1053. 877-881-1053 if you want to get in on the conversation. We're with you until 11 o'clock tonight here on your home of the Cowboys and Texas Rangers. We're also with you until 11 o'clock tomorrow night as well, so make sure you tune in from 7 to 11 as the good guys have the day off after, unfortunately, dropping their uh, the third game of their three-game series with the Oakland Athletics. A they, day off in San Francisco. Day off on the road that they don't have to travel. So I hope that they're having, that? having a little bit of fun. But, yes, I am over here just vibing. But you know what? You start playing Janet Jackson, that's, that's bound to happen. You know? Okay. We're going to talk about this whole ESPN thing here in just a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Janet Jackson. I didn't realize that there was something. You had something ready to go about Janet Jackson. I'm interested in hearing. Well, not necessarily about Janet Jackson, but someone who we have compared to Janet Jackson over the years. What? Uh, in Sierra. Uh, did you see the video she dropped the other day? Yeah. She loved her husband. She really loved Enough her to keep pushing out his kids. Good gracious. And this is the thing. This isn't one of those get a job, get off of her situations. Right. Because it seemed like she's the one who's like <laughs> another one. Another one. I looked at the video. I was like, yo, yo. Here's the thing. As a parent, you'll, you two will experience this at some point. Why are you so certain? I think you will. Okay. Uh, but at some point. You know, you look around at the kids that you have. And you're like, I have reached the, I have reached the pinnacle. And, that, then get, and then you get a bonus, baby. That, and then you're like, hey, man, what happens is that clock starts over again. Each time you have another one. You're like, ah, oh, 18. Bro, that's another 18 years for another one. Plus. Another In one. In this economy, plus. <laughs> 18, Woo! plus. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, good on Russ. I mean, it's not like they can't afford it. <laughs> oh no, they got yeah, they got it. They got it. They got it. They but got a, they got his and other people's babies too. But as a that is true. I mean, the future is with him and the oh no, never mind. Look, I was gonna let you cook, buddy. <laughs> let him cook. Let KG cook. <laughs> let, let KG, KG cook. cook. <laughs> Y'all are hilarious. What? Uh, I mean, the future is with, you know, the Wilsons at this point. Um, but at the same time, I mean, good on on Russ, man, because clearly He's, he's going to be real busy. Yeah, the, the football wasn't flying quite as well, but there's other things that, that are making their way to their Woo! destination and hitting their target. Consistently. You know what I mean? if, it, if one thing Russell been accurate with over the last few years. <laughs> right. Yo. Yo. I vowed myself that I would never be like Philip Rivers. That's that's my one vow. Clearly, Russell's like, hey, 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 hey uh, Philip, I got you, man. Don't you even worry about it. I got my own starting five coming up here, you know, real soon at this rate. 
it's funny because Philip Rivers didn't he just announce he about to have another kid? Yeah, man, as well. His fifteenth, and he he really is a get a job, get off her <laughs> all star. Leave her alone, please, please, please. Um, as we- I don't care if you can afford it, stop that. <laughs> At this point, hey, Rivers might have to come back to the game if you keep you know keep doing all all of this. You sure, they pay enough. Dude, he, might, he might need more. He might. He just might. Uh, speaking of money, apparently it only costs one dollar to buy bar stool these days. Look, um, I wouldn't pay it. <laughs> Low key. Why are we being truthful? I wouldn't either. Um, but that's exactly what has happened. As ESPN has decided to go all in with their betting platform. Now this is the thing. You call it their betting platform, and I'm, I've seen a lot of people talk about this from a certain perspective, and I, I realize I have not let you explain it. You absolutely will because you're very good at that. Um, I'm not sure if that's the way that this goes. This feels like, to me, like just a branding deal more than anything. Well, whether it's in some ways, I mean, in some ways it is, um, but what ESPN has decided to do, they have decided to partner with Penn Entertainment as they have signed a licensing deal with Penn Entertainment to create ESPN Bet, which will be a sports book for audiences in and across the United States of America. Now, this this comes on the this actual sports book was previously branded under the Barstool Sports name, which is why you mentioned them earlier. And that branding has been allowed to be sold. Well, they actually owned Barstool at that point. They sold that back to uh that oh, oh boy mm-hmm, um mm-hmm, that's and right. that's what you were talking about but now mm-hmm. they did that in order to open up the opportunity um to utilize the espn brand name the worldwide leader well-recognized name to then do, you know push forward this betting thing and i think that's interesting because this is coming relatively on the heels of didn't fox bet just shutter their operation fox sports mm-hmm. went with their own attempt at this and they just shuttered it and so Penn, who is following, they're following behind the likes of DraftKings and FanDuel. They clearly lead the situation. I think Fanatics is about to get into, you know, Fanatics, the apparel wear, owned by, isn't it owned by uh, old boy that just bought the Commanders? Josh Josh Harris. Harris, Right? They're about to get into this space. So I think, you know, Penn is looking up. And if we can get attached to, one, one of the biggest, you know, movers when we talk about sports media in ESPN, and two, like the biggest brand in sports, Maybe that will help us increase the profile of this and, you know, establish as a sports book. But it points to the clear growth of sports betting in America. So Penn will rebrand its current sports book to ESPN Bet later this fall in the 16 states where it is licensed. The rebrand will include a mobile app, website, mobile website, and mutually agreed upon retail location. Now, Penn agreed to pay ESPN, check this out, one point five billion dollars in cash over the next 10 years as well as grant espn 500 million dollars of warrants to purchase approximately 31.8 million common shares of pin there are options to receive bonus warrants depending on on the performance of espn bet obviously this is espn's latest foray into sports gaming the company has daily multi-platform betting-focused shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, they run odds, obviously, on its website and TV programs. Which is funny because ESPN was probably trying... They tried to be relatively slow to the gambling aspect. And I think it was because ESPN very much viewed themselves as a capital J journalistic entity. Yes. And, you know, trying to maintain the level of integrity. And it seems like ESPN, and this sounds like really judgmental and I apologize for it, 
has given up on the idea that that level of integrity. They're like, it's very interesting that you've seen so much discussion around ESPN over the last few weeks that has really been explicitly about, you know, profit making, right? Just like the pure, unfiltered capitalism of it all. And I mean, look, it's a business. That's what it exists to do. But at least, you know, we take sports so seriously that they seem to handle sports with that level of seriousness. Mm-hmm. And now there's questions to be had because you were mentioning in, in you know, pre-show, and you're right. We just, we've recently crossed into this Rubicon or crossed the Rubicon and start looking at the idea of how does sports betting possibly affect the quote-unquote journalism that we are getting? How would that affect narratives? How would that affect the way that we cover things? The integrity of information and how it's disseminated by these particular sports properties. We were talking about how FanDuel with Sham Sharania during the NBA draft had a little bit of a thing because some lines changed based on some information that Sham Sharania had let out when it came to the NBA draft and who was going where in the top three. And in that instance, I don't even believe that Sham Sharania had any, you know, nefarious dealings, right? Because that's how lines would move anyways, if Mm -hmm. there's information that is reported. But the problem is like the the illusion or the appearance of impropriety. And now you quite literally will have the ESPN brand name on those books that are giving you the lines and such. And so with some of the most powerful insiders in sports with that network when we're talking about Adam Schefter, Jeff Passan of ESPN, of course, with Major League Baseball, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN as well. You've got three of the biggest insiders in all of sports with this network. And again, that inference of potential impropriety is there, and they have already said, look, we're keeping Schefter, Passan, Wojnarowski, we're keeping them as far away from this as possible given what could be construed as, you know, some working in cahoots with the whole ESPN bet information. And all it takes is time, right? Like, all it takes yep. is time for that that far away to just get a little bit closer. And mm-hmm. this, here's the tough thing about it, and I, I, I'm trying not to come off as pearl-clutching or overly moralistic, and I apologize if ultimately that's where it feels like I am. But I do wonder if, like, the inherent greed of, you know, we just need to try and grow the profits and if there's more money to be made, and, hey, look, there's gambling, there's money to be made, if that doesn't undercut the entirety of sports, because we talk about TV and we talk about college sports and how, you know, ratings and, and how, you know, sports is the only live uh, program that really does numbers now. It's the one thing that you can say as a tentpole to help, you know, uphold the whole TV thing. Our whole live television apparatus is really held up by sports in this instance. What happens if people do not feel the integrity of those sports because we have leaned so heavily into the gambling space that none of it feels like it's important? All of it starts feeling almost pro wrestling and that, not to say that pro wrestling isn't good, isn't like a, a thing that people can enjoy. But if it does not have that level of urgency, that level of earnestness, does it then make people have to watch live in the same ways? And does it make people drive people to do the same things and consume in the same exact ways? And I, I understand, look, you can look at wrestling and see how they are have a big market for themselves. But I also wonder if the, the attempt to get in on this gambling money will ultimately in the long run come back and hurt sports as a lo- larger general concept. It's going to be very interesting to watch how all of this unfolds and the betting habits of individuals who consume ESPN on a daily basis. And I'm sure part of this, too, is getting more eyes on ESPN if they're going to be providing this kind of information when it comes to betting lines and how that is brought forward to the you know the general public. This is just another way that ESPN is trying to get more eyes on this product and to do so by getting into a space that will continue to grow and has continued to grow 
uh, over the last, obviously, uh, several years when it comes to sports betting and how sports are consumed in that way. It's the Get Right. Revenge KG right here on 105.3 The Fan. Coming up next, this statement from Micah Parsons may change your perception on who was the true leader of the Dallas Cowboys. Next on the Get Right. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.